University of Georgia Griffin campus invites you to join us for news and information about the many and varied programs and activities at the UGA Griffin campus. Information about gardening, the agriculture programs, and your UGA degree at the University of Georgia Griffin campus. Your UGA degree is closer than you think. This program is made possible by Frank and Carolyn Harris of Round Oak Resources Tree Farm and Murray and Company Realtors. Listen each Thursday at 9 o'clock a.m. for the UGA Griffin Campus News. This program is produced by WKU AM 1450 and 102.3 FM and The Rock 88.9 FM and streamed live on our website, wkuradio.com. Join us now with our guests from the UGA Griffin Campus. And good morning and welcome to this week's installment of the University of Georgia Griffin Campus News. We are joined on our Thursday morning by Dr. Sherry Dorn, who is an extension horticulturalist and the state master gardener coordinator for the state of Georgia. However, her office is located, although she's never really in it, on the University of Georgia Griffin Campus. Dr. Dorn, thank you for coming back to the program. We're going to talk about how to decorate for the holiday season, both with ornamentals and plants throughout Christmas and beyond. And at first, you know, Again, welcome back to the program. Just remind the listeners a little bit about yourself and your recent indoctrination into doctorhood. <laughs> well, good morning. Thanks for having me here. And um, yeah, so a little bit about myself. I am a Virginia native and have come to Georgia specifically for this position in 2012. And I am located on the Griffin campus right here in uh, scenic Griffin, Georgia. Now, now before we get yeah. started, how did that happen for the Center of the State for the Master Gardener Program? How did yeah. that come to be located in Griffin? Yeah, well, this puts us pretty central to our Master Gardener programs. We're largely concentrated in the northwest part of the state. We've got a few programs in the southern and, and eastern side of the state, um, but the advantage of being here is that I can get to nearly all of my programs within about two hours. So that, that makes me very accessible, makes it very easy to interact with our volunteers and support our agents and our program coordinators. Now back to your doctorate yeah. and then the, the life of Sherry Dorn. Oh, goodness. So the doctorate, the Ph.D. program actually happened here. Um, when I was listening to that intro, you know, your degree, your University of Georgia degree is closer than you think. I, I did my coursework here from the Griffin campus and uh, completed that, wrapped that up last year in 2019. So you were pre-COVID in terms of having yeah. to do all the virtual. I'm sure you still had to do virtual and online classes, but... Yes, well, I'm a big advocate, a big proponent of uh, distance education um, and, you know, making that as um, accessible as we can. And gosh, it can be it can be just like being right there in the classroom. So it, it's a it's a great learning option. And, and I would I had those you know, opinions before, yes, before COVID hit us. Now, your undergraduate degree came from VPI, which yes. we call Virginia Tech. Yes, we call that Virginia Tech. Go Hokies. They're, they're having a hard time right now with, with their football, they, they, but, you know, They on. let one get away on Saturday. Yeah. But I was telling you before the program, the grandson of our station owner, Bill Taylor, his two grandsons play at yeah. Duke and said the most electrifying moment of their college careers came at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg. Yes. With yes. inner Sandman, he yes. said, they both said, if that doesn't send chills up your spine, nothing will. Yeah, yeah. So, yep, yeah, those are, that's my, uh, that's my roots. Um, went to, went to Virginia Tech for both a bachelor's and a master's. So, yeah. Have right. a, have and a, then have a doc. So, you're just all over with the degrees. Well. Can you get all the letters on a business card? I don't try. <laughs> 
well, it's like alphabet now, soup. <laughs> have you spent more time on the UGA Griffin campus because of COVID? I mean, I'm sure there's been a lot of, of distancing that you've had to do and, and a lot of virtual meetings that you have to have that used to be done face-to-face. Yes. Well, I've, you know, actually worked from home um, many of the, of the months of this year, but I've been here in Griffin and, you know, it's just been, we've continued business. We do a lot of trainings. We use the virtual aspect to offer um, trainings to our volunteers all over the state. It really helps our program, helps our volunteers. They don't have to travel so much, you know, to get to a training site. Um, so it's it's really been a great boost to our program to have, you know, additional virtual resources. Now, before we get into the, the Christmas ornamentals, <laughs> do you suspect that we will see an increased number of master gardeners or people applying for the program because of COVID, because of the extra time they've had at their hand, and maybe some people have mastered the craft oh man wouldn't that be awesome um do i expect them to become master gardeners i expect them to become very curious about being a master gardener i expect there to be a lot of interest in it and um, i have some some ideas up my sleeve for how we can make the program available to them so there'll be there'll be some options for them yes but this isn't a matter of just saying hey i want to be a master gardener there is a, a process is. And, and an education process that they have to go through yes yes absolutely um that's part of the appeal the appeal to to the program um the master gardener program is one that requires both classroom training and hands-on experiential training so that's a it's an entire year-long process right now as our program is structured and and that is like going through a semester-long course in basic horticulture and then getting involved in our local projects which can range from anything from answering questions on a help desk line to um, you know, staffing a plant clinic, to staffing an exhibit at a community street fair, or demonstration gardens, or school gardens, and I'm saying all these projects that are are you know are traditional projects. They've been modified in many instances to accommodate the virtual element, to accommodate social distancing this year, and and you know probably you know into the um, the, the near future. Uh, but they are still you know just just classic projects and classic ways in which we are able to interact with our community mates and share the resources of the university. Well, now you have a busy day today. In addition to doing the radio program, you're going to be doing a Facebook live session on the UGA Griffin campus. Yes. That said, if you go to you, just go to your your Facebook and uh, type in University of Georgia Griffin campus, or you can just simply type in UGA Griffin, the very top in the search on Facebook will come up as the University of Georgia Griffin campus. Click that, follow the links, and they're going to have, you're going to be showing yeah. the ornamentals and, and some of the, the decorating ideas that we're going to discuss today. Yes, a few of my campus mates have signed up for um, an afternoon of fun. Um, and we're going to be working through some activities. And we're going to show you how easy it is to use what you have in your home gardens, your home grounds, even if you don't think of them as gardens or landscapes, you, be resourceful. Use what you have and you can use those to you know, bring the outside in, enjoy it, decorate your home. Um, it's certainly a very festive uh, feeling and um, a lot of fun. Well, last week we had Dr. Mark Zanata on the program, and the, mm -hmm. the, the discussion centered on Christmas trees, but that is not the only way to adorn the home for the holiday season. Absolutely. With Thanksgiving just around the corner, a week away now, are there certain plants or, and ornamentals that we would use at Thanksgiving that we might not necessarily use in the Christmas season? Yeah, that's a great question, but actually one of the activities that I'm going to show you 
you this afternoon, uh, you could use on your Thanksgiving table and probably well into the month of December. Um, so that I'll show you how to how to weave a, um, a centerpiece out of some greens. Um, but some of the things that come to mind plant wise, um, we're already seeing holiday plants in the marketplace. Uh, just in the grocery store, um, you know. You saw a poinsettia. I did. The poinsettia. Did you? I haven't are, seen them yet, but they're already for sale. Um, so uh, that's like it's a little bit jarring, but you know, this year we're a little bit early. You know, looking forward to something positive and yeah, fun and we, pleasant. We you know? need something merry. Yes. Yes. Um, so. What comes to mind are our Christmas cacti, and our and uh, we we kind of call them all Christmas cacti. But there's actually they have three different bloom times, and a lot of those cacti actually are more Thanksgiving cacti. They bloom this time of year, and so uh, I think I have one in bloom right now at my house that's kind of like a coral. Uh, kind of pink um, color and uh, that to me is more Thanksgiving than it is Christmas you know Christmas I think of you know red uh, very you know reds and greens and things like that so yeah uh, you'll see some of those plants foliage plants of course are universal and if you're if you're like you're like me I, I'm I like neutral things that I can mix and match and use you know several different times of year so some of those uh, really attractive house plants indoor plants you could use those you know as a thanksgiving centerpiece as well no just for our listeners how would you define plant material okay so in the in what we're in the context of today's show and our activities this afternoon um, i'm defining plant materials as anything you go outside and fetch uh you know your hollies your your junipers your dried grasses your berries pine cones you know seed pods um dried hydrangea blossoms i mean all of those are plant materials they are pieces of plants um yes you can use indoor plants of course in your decorating your holiday decorating uh but i'm an ornamental specialist so i'm looking outside at all those beauties and so looking for materials that i can bring inside and and with a relative degree of confidence they're going to hold up for a couple of weeks well bring us up to speed on what you mean when you say ornamental i mean i know there's this you know, covers a vast array. Yes. But just in simplest terms, how would you define ornamental? So beauty is in the be- the eye of the beholder. So we'll put that that caveat out there. But ornamentals are plants that are they're decorations. I mean, when we landscape our homes, our offices, uh, we are adorning that outside. We are adding ornamentation, and we do that with our plants. So anything, and you know, that's a pretty broad definition and like i said beauty is in the eye of the beholder so whatever you choose to use uh can be ornamental okay now there are a lot of people at home thinking well i've got to run to my box store or to my local nursery and stock up on plants for not just thanksgiving but christmas as well how cost prohibitive is this i mean because i mean i kind of like your idea of scrounging it's kind of the fun of it to go Mm -hmm. outside and Find things and combinations that will work. Yeah. So it's always a gamut. You can spend as little or as much as you want. Um, I have been building my gardens at home for the last few years. We've we've been in our home, um, I guess, four and a half years now. So I have been intentionally adding plants to my landscape over time so that I would have materials that were in bloom or, you know, were dried or in color or, you know, available to me at all seasons of the year, all times of the year. Um, So I'm not going to go out this week and spend a a gazillion dollars. Now, my weakness, my true weakness at holiday time, in addition to a fresh 
cut Fraser fir. I have to have a Fraser fir at my house uh, for my Christmas tree. Um, but my weakness will be the potted poinsettias and the the uh, paper whites and the amaryllis bulbs. They, I just love them. There's, there, it's just so magical to pot those things up and watch them emerge and bloom. Um, and it's just such a spot of cheer. So that's my weakness. Amaryllis is beautiful. I, yeah. I just recently met a former CIA agent whose name, given name, is Amaryllis. And I had never heard that before. Wasn't even aware it was a plant. And she said, yeah. well, I'm named after a plant. Uh-huh. Beautiful plant. Yes. Well, my kids would be horrified if they knew I mentioned them on the show today, but they are named after plants. So, you know, it just goes with the territory. Well, you, you, you can't just leave us hanging. You have to elaborate now. Oh, oh, so I, so my husband and I have twins. We have a son and a daughter, Heath and Heather. So they got, they got plant names. And that, so her. that was intentional. It was very now, intentional. Now, is your husband as wild about gardening and oh, yes. things like this as you are? Oh, yes, 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 yes. He's, um, he's a horticulturalist at Dawson Trails out in Jackson. So, um, yes, we talk plants all the time. We get the classic eye roll from the kids, please, you know, but that's, that's our language. And I have been deeply appreciative to share, a, you know, a common bond with a spouse like that. Well, we've mentioned poinsettia and Fraser for, of course, we'll try to leave the trees out of this as much as possible, but... What are some of the more traditional plants, uh, mistletoe, yes, the holiday mistletoe. plants? Yeah, so we see a lot of holly and a lot of a lot of evergreens, and that's kind of regional, you know. Um, here in now, the, okay, that's a yeah. good. That you bring up a good point because yes. evergreens do a little better here in the south than they do in other areas of the of the country. When you were in Virginia, mm-hmm. what were some of the more traditional plants that they would use in the in the Yuletide yeah. season that we might not see as much here? So, um, I was in the mountains of Southwest Virginia. We had tree farms again not to dwell on christmas trees but we had access to fraser fir that would grow at those elevations and those and those temperatures whereas here you see a lot more leyland cypress you see um a lot uh, uh, our pines are different i would have access to white pine a lot more white pine um there in virginia um our hollies were a little bit different so here in the in the southern part of the state uh, southern part of georgia rather uh you know we will have a, a couple of different um holly species that are more hardy that we wouldn't have gotten away with there in the mountains of Virginia. Um, you see a lot more magnolia grandiflora, our southern magnolia, which is a staple, you know, just a, a staple of holiday uh, decorations. And it will last a long, long time as well once you cut it and bring it inside. So, yeah, you, you, you'll, you'll see some regional differences like well, that. I mean this as a compliment, but you strike me as being somewhat unconventional. Somebody oh. who wants to <laughs> do different things than what everybody else is doing. So what are some of the <laughs> non-traditional plants that we might can incorporate into our oh. decor? Well, um, I have a contorted Harry Filberts in the front yard. Um, it is actually a purple-leafed variety. Um, and the stems grow contorted, twisted and contorted. So that's on my list to gather for this afternoon's um, activities. That makes a fantastic vertical interest. Um, dried grasses, uh, we don't think about that. Uh, but they, they, again, another vertical element and um they can often bronze at this time of year as temperatures, you know, drop. Um, they they'll lose their their greens and their blues and so forth of their their regular active growing season color, and they'll take on like a straw colored. Well, that can that can really work well in arrangements. Um, 
again, thinking in terms of plants that lose their leaves. I mean, we think of holiday decorations as being evergreens and um, things with leaves and berries, but we can also use our stems and our barks. You know, if you've got coral um, coral barked um, or red twig dogwoods or yellow twig dogwoods or even some of our Japanese maples. Now, please don't go don't go whacking too <laughs> crazily on your <laughs> Japanese maples. Um, I don't advocate that, but I'm saying that you're, you know, when you look to different sources of color and interest, when you pu- start putting things together, um, yeah, it, 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 it does look a little different. Well, now there's certainly like, you know, I was not aware for many years of my life that mistletoe can actually be harmful. Mm-hmm. There, it has it some is. poisonous you know, aspects to it. Are there other plants that, that we may do just as well not to bring indoors? Yeah, well, if you've got pets or if you've got small children that are at that age where, you know, they want to pick things up and put them in their mouth, then I would caution you against anything with berries um, keeping keeping your greens up, you know, you know to, to the point that they're not easily accessible the things about the thing about berries is that uh, as those materials dry out you know they've been in the house for a couple of weeks those berries will start to drop off and they'll roll off and roll onto the floor so I would caution you to be conservative about those types of things uh, you mentioned mistletoe that's that's on our um, our list of poisonous plants I'm you know and, and when we say poisonous plants they're not all fatal uh, you know, there's there's a wide range of, you know, digestive issues or whatever that might pop up um, if the plants were ingested. There are things, um, you know, if you're going to go outside and gather plant materials, you need to be on the lookout for poison ivy because even if it doesn't have leaves on it, if you, you know, you encounter those classic um, stems and roots, you know, wrapped around, you know, growing up, uh, those vines growing up trees or whatever, you can still get into a, a, a mess of poison ivy even, you know, in the, in the off season. So you want to take care about that. Um, so yeah, just, we've got an, uh, a publication, you can con, you know, contact the poison control centers if there were questions about that, but I always encourage you, you know, go, go conservative. be safe and you know this is easily researchable on the university of georgia website with all the publications that you guys put out you can just you know go to their search engine and poisonous plants and and like you said not everything has the same level of toxicity but they all do carry at least some some element of risk yeah yeah okay now what can you do with plants Um, are you a wreather sometimes can you do that? See, I, I'm amazed at people who can do that and so, make the perfect circle. I'm, I'm useless. So here's my confession. You know why I'm, I'm unconventional? It's because I'm not very good. So if I don't try to be perfect and make a perfect wreath, then I can get away with a lot more. Uh, so I use creativity to my advantage. My sister uh, back in Virginia is our floral, family floral designer. She has a gift. But I've got my, my colleague VJ on the, on the Griffin campus who's going to join us this afternoon. And she is a fantastic talented um, designer so she's probably gonna show you some uh, some more classic things um, and she can she can pull them off very well um, but yeah anywhere from a wreath to um, I like antique garden implements so my I have old wheelbarrows at my house I have old galvanized tubs and and uh, watering cans and I bring those elements right on into my holiday decorations and fill them with with cut things or uh, boughs or or branches or you know right now I've got um, pumpkins still out there on the porch with my galvanized tubs full of uh, perennial mums and um, 
so, so I just work with what I have and, and bring my own, you know, kind of um, personality into it. I've seen folks, you know, build displays around antique ladders, um, whatever is your interest, your, you know, your fun hobby, if it's fishing poles, if it's football, I mean, you can do some really creative, fun things with that as well. Now that that's interesting that you. Yeah. I mean that that is a nice way to put your own twist on yeah. things. If yeah. if you have a family tradition or you know if it's sitting around watching the football or if it's yeah. going outside doing certain things, even you know there are a lot of families that go out and get their Christmas tree after the Thanksgiving meal and whatnot. So, but now just now Thanksgiving is one week away. So when would you suggest picking your plants if you're going to go the outdoor route? Is, is now too soon or, I mean, for drying out purposes or is now a good time or would you wait a few days? Um, it, it's kind of a process. It's, it's a, the gathering, it's a process. So there are things that you could gather now, things like pine cones, especially right, they're probably they're, yeah. wet. They're probably still a little wet from our rains last week. So gathering those and, you know, putting them out on your picnic table or, you know, patio furniture or whatever to let them dry in the sun, that would be good. Um, you can go ahead and gather things like dried hydrangea blossoms. And, and I, f- um, I forgot to tell you, you know, spray paint, especially in those metallic silver and, and gold colors, are our friend when we start decorating plant materials. And there is nothing more spectacular than a gold-frosted or a silver-frosted dried hydrangea blossom. Um, that's that's just, well, actually, a dried lotus pod with a little bit of gold or silver is, is But that, that's a little too. more difficult find. <laughs> Yes, it, it, not everybody has access to lotus pods, but they are truly spectacular. I have made some gold-plated pine cones. My family teases me about that too. But anyway, so you can start gathering those pieces, um, and you know you you can do some of your your greens. Like I said, uh, if you're going for southern magnolia, you can bring that on in. Uh, some of the pines and things like that, we can bring on in at this point. And, and the reason I want to encourage you to start thinking about it now and and prepping it now if you're planning this for your Thanksgiving table um, is because you're going to get caught up in the preparation of the meal and so you want to do your home preparations a little earlier it's messy Um, last Christmas when I decorated my own home um, again I was I was celebrating I was a December graduate so we were we were having some festivities last December to celebrate um, that that graduation Uh, so I went all out and it took me a good day, you know, to put all of that stuff out and to clean it up, you know, clean up the, the clippings and extra stuff and, and so forth. So you don't want to be rushing around on Turkey Day, the morning of Turkey Day, trying to put out greens and, and such in, in your home. Now, how do we keep them fresh? Sure. So if you can, if you can spritz materials, you know, cut materials, if you've got them in, sometimes we'll make the arrangements that will be in containers and people will choose to use the, a brick of Oasis foam, which we can keep that brick moist and those cut stems in contact with the uh, the brick of Oasis will we'll keep greens um, as fresh as possible, um, you know, replacing water in vases, you know, to keep that fresh. Um, again, misting, spritzing our materials to, to keep it, you know, hydrated. You want to protect your tabletops or, you know, any sort of surfaces that are underneath of that that you'd be concerned about. Um, but most of the time, anyway, I've got a, I've got a disposable plastic tablecloth underneath of my greens. You know, it's hidden, of course, but it's there and it provides that protection between 
whatever I'm using in, in my tabletop. So for the Christmas season, you would yep. recommend waiting just a little while yeah. before we started yeah. trying to decorate, particularly yeah. with live things or yes. things that we've gathered outdoors? Yes. You know, if you are working with dried products, you know, your cones, your grasses, your dried flowers, those will last indefinitely. Um, things like berries, like I mentioned to you earlier, they'll dry out and they'll start dropping off. Um, some of our greenery will shrivel, will discolor, um, and, and those are easily replaceable. So, you know, think about a two-week window. So if you, if you, you know, put out something now for the Thanksgiving holidays and you transition it into the, the December holidays, um, you know, you've got about two weeks on those materials before you really, you know, need to start replacing some of those. Now, is there any trick, I mean, this may be a little bit out of your field of expertise, not the plant part, but the animal part. Is there any trick to keeping the animals out of it as a, I mean, other than just kind of removing it from their immediate access points? I mean, you know, if you've got smaller dogs, make sure everything's hanging high or is there any yeah, trick to this? I, d I don't have anything on that one. Um, yeah, I, my kitty cat's an outdoor kitty cat, so I don't, I don't have any experience with, with our, with our animal friends. You know, if they're, if they're accustomed to being in space, Places um, that you would you're thinking about decorating. I mean, that's a full-on consideration. You know, they're not going to know that they shouldn't go there. Now, a lot of people like to use, as you mentioned earlier, evergreens mm -hmm. in displays. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, and not just for the site, but for the scent as well. Absolutely. So, what kind of aromatic evergreens could we find this time of year? Certainly. So. You may have some junipers in your yard that are going to have that pungent, yeah, uh, that pungent um, evergreen scent to it. Um, rosemary. Do you grow rosemary in your no, garden? No, I have juniper. Kind of, it kind of adorns around our swimming pool. Okay, okay. Well, we have rosemary, um, and, and it grows so well here. Um, I'm always shocked when I see these rosemary bushes, you know. Um, they, they, can, they can be quite large. So those can be clipped and brought in, and even when they dry, you know, when they dry out, they'll still hold that fragrance and um, and be attractive. Um, goodness, what other sorts of scents do we have? Juniper really comes to mind, and you've got the berries. If you've got any bayberry, any mirica in your garden, you'll, you'll get some scent from that, even if your leaves dry. Um, and of course, if you've got, uh, I'm straying from evergreens, but again, our our uh, well, yeah, no, our paper whites, fine. yeah, our paper whites will have a scent, and you either like them or you don't like them. <laughs> what about the use of herbs, things like peppermint, which sure. is or wintergreen, which sure. is kind of a traditional smell sure. of the season? Absolutely, all of that's great. Um, now, peppermint, spearmint, lemon balm, all of those types of um, herbaceous plants, those herbs are not going to hold up very long. So they're going to have to be cut and put in in water or oasis foam or something like that. They're not they're just not going to last very long just cut and, and by themselves. Um, but the other thing is citrus, you know, we can use a lot of citrus or apples or pineapples so we you know, we can go back to our fruits which are very classic, you know, time-worn traditional uh, ornamentation so we can we can use those as well. Well, just as an aside, you had mentioned that one of your kind of like sinful products when it comes to the Christmas season or the potted poinsettia mm -hmm. is kind of your weakness. Mm -hmm. Mine is the cinnamon scented pine cone. Uh -huh. I have uh -huh. two bags that I bought at a store in the yes. back of my car right yes. now. Oh, it smells good. Just so it'll <laughs> smell like Christmas. I know. So, I know. you know, what, what sense 
I mean, when it comes to plants and their their aromas, mm-hmm. what's are there particular scents that w- that we may not have touched on that are popular around this time of year, or something a little more Thanksgiving ish as you, opposed to Christmas? You might um, you might run some eucalyptus uh, if you like. If you're a fan of eucalyptus, that'll certainly dry well, and and I would consider that one of those plants that you could you know stretch your seasons. You could use it in Thanksgiving. You could use it in in Christmas with no problem. Um, cinnamon definitely uh, cinnamon nutmeg um, that kind of thing Um, I would consider the citrus as well the apples I mean the oranges um, the lemons the limes those would I would probably push more towards the Thanksgiving end of things but they can they can go all seasons you can dry them you can stud them with cloves all different kinds of things like that Um, gosh I had something else it's just left me but well we'll we'll just continue on if it Mm -hmm. comes to you just throw it out there but when it comes to that we just had our first cold really cold snap to my mind (laughs) this week where we had temperatures down into the 30s last night it got down to like 36 degrees wednesday night it was 36 degrees which is to me cold chilly so there are a lot of people who are now ready to turn to the fireplace Mm -hmm. or to gas logs Mm -hmm. or, or whatever are there special precautions that the homeowners need to take and if they want to adorn their homes with plants but have the fireplace on them? I mean, yes. are there some cautionary tips that they might Absolutely. need to follow? Thank you. Thank you for that prompt. Absolutely. Our When we bring plant materials into the house, our houses are dry. They're, they're not very humid. Ideally, they're not very humid. This time of year, we are turning on the heat. We may have those, those, um, those fireplaces going. So don't place your you know, your cut trees near the fireplaces or, you know, sources of heat or a a radiator or, you know, a vent that's going to blow air onto these materials. You want them in cool spots. Um, If if your living room or wherever you're placing your your decorations gets a lot of bright, hot afternoon, warm afternoon sun, um, just be aware that those materials are going to dry out much faster than than they would if they were in a cool space and not receiving a lot of direct light. So that's going to shorten their lifespan. And yes, if you're lighting candles near there, you know, any sort of open flame, um, you want to be very, very cautious about that. I don't want our friends at the fire department <laughs> upset with us. Now, forgive me for not knowing this, but there is your traditional garland that a lot of people will put. It's, it's got to be an evergreen mm-hmm. that they will put like on their mantle, string mm-hmm. it down around the mm-hmm. stockings and whatnot. Yes. What is that? Oh, it can be all kinds of things. We do a lot of white pine. Again, a, a lot of our of our evergreen stuff is you know shipped you know from other locations so we can get a lot of white pine um i have seen arborvitae that's been used um um, i'm gonna have some boxwood clippings that i'm working with to um this afternoon um uh, boxwood is tends to be a little more premium than say our white pines or our arborvitae we also get a lot of um of our fir and spruce uh, clippings, because when those trees are harvested, those lower branches become fair game for making um, uh, garlands and wreaths and, and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff out there. And I, I do apologize for kind of going around in circles, but given your vast array of knowledge of the plant world, are there some examples that you might can provide where you've experimented and found out that something worked much better than you expected? Yes. Um, so uh, again. 
this afternoon I'm going to be walking you through how to make a garland and use that as a centerpiece. It's 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 pretty cool because it's a it's a braided sort of um, look, and I have used some camisiparis, uh, so it's a thread leaf. Uh, ornamental plant we buy it to put out in our in our plant planted out in the gardens um, it's something that you can't just go shear the plant to harvest the the thread like leaves for your decorations you have to be careful you know you have to know how to how to harvest those leaves um, but it held up beautifully absolutely beautifully and it was stunning it has there are cultivars that have a gold foliage to it and again this is a thread leaf uh, false cypress is what we call it and that that gold foliage woven in with my other evergreens was really stunning, and it held up well. Now, on the on the converse side of things, mm-hmm. it, there's, there have been things that you've tried, and everybody's experience will be a little bit different, but there have yes. been things that you've tried that didn't go quite as swimmingly as you had hoped? Yeah. Um, or maybe things that, that the novice like me might want to avoid? Yeah, you're going to always have shrubs and things that you're going to clip, and they're going to drop, you know, and they're going to make a mess, and you're going to think, oh, this was a bad idea. Because uh, you'll be constantly, you know, sweeping up that stuff. Um, you'll have you'll have grasses. Some grasses, their uh, once their seeds, you know, seed heads start drying, they start what we call shattering, and that just means that they fall apart. You know, and that's just part of their dispersal mechanism in nature. You know, they're going to reach a point where they're ripe and uh, they're ready to, to, to fall off the plant and they want the wind or they want critters to carry that off, carry those seeds off. That's how they get established somewhere else. So they're going to do the same thing inside and, and sometimes that can get messy. Um, and, and of course, when you when you clean up, you know, when you decide to you're done with your decorations and that's the beauty. That is the real beauty of decorating with plant materials. We don't have to store them when the season is over. You just clean them up, put them on the compost pile, and keep on going. Yeah, I mean, that is the one shame to the poinsettia is that it it does not last very long. I mean, once the Christmas season is over, its life cycle has pretty Mm -hmm. much come to an end. Are there any plants that we can reintroduce into the yard or garden or landscape that we would use, bring inside, as long as it's well tended to while it's in the house, are there things that we can go replant or Certainly. we need to keep them in planters or hanging baskets? So um, actually, there are talented gardeners who will hold their poinsettias from one year to the next, and then they'll do the whole um, long night, short day thing in the fall to trigger that that coloring of the bracts. Um you know, I've held my Christmas cactus, Thanksgiving cactus over from year to year. Our amaryllis and paper whites, you can do the same thing. You can treat them as a regular plant and then give them those day those day length triggers to 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 bloom again. Um, I t- tend to have my head going in a hundred million different directions, and I don't pay attention to my amaryllis and my uh, paper whites, so I'm not uh, clever at that I just go buy some some new bulbs and you know our retailers are happy for for us to go buy fresh plants and bulbs um, and those amaryllis those can be planted outside most of them will overwinter um, with our very mild winters and so you can plant those out into the garden not for me to judge but there is a craze and it's been in, in place a good decade or so the organic craze where everything has to be all natural mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to Christmas decorations, are there some plant varieties that we can use to adorn our Christmas trees? Yes. And, and I mean, things that look nice, maybe some unconventional ideas <laughs> that we haven't considered. You know, I do. I mean, I, I've, I've seen pine cones on trees. Yes. I've seen a few holly berries on trees. Yes. But outside of that, I'm, my yes. scope is rather limited. Yeah. So you can use... Um, 
you can use uh, cut twigs and branches and you know insert them into the tree. You're not really hanging them from the tree, but you're inserting them using the branching structure of the tree. Again, I mentioned earlier grasses. Um, they make fantastic vertical plumes to, to fasten the, to the top of the tree, to adorn the top of the tree. We mentioned all of our citrus stuff. Um, acorns. If you if you gather your acorns and you you have to glue them together really to get a mass of them or to adhere you know a loop or some sort of hanging uh, type of ornament. But those are fun uh, to use. Um, I've seen now that I think about it. I've mm-hmm. seen nuts, certain yes. types of Brazil nuts, yes. hazelnuts, yes. walnuts yes. used. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So there's I've mentioned the hydrangea blossoms. I love to use those. And and when I cut those, I leave them on a stem. And very much just insert the stem into the tree. And so it kind of just perches on the, um, the, the Christmas tree uh, branch. Now, I'm sure this has been asked and answered, but uh, maybe I'll trigger something. What would you say, Not we'll just start with the southern part of the United States, and then we can go back to your roots in mm-hmm. Virginia. What are some of the more overlooked ornamentals that we can implement into our home decor for the holidays? I mean, things that we don't consider. I mean, like the hydrangea, that mm-hmm. would not have occurred to me. Oh, gosh, it's beautiful. It's very beautiful. Amaryllis would not have occurred to me. Yeah. I, um, I mean, anything that you look outside and you see seed pods. Um, in years past, I've used Osage Orange, you know, those those big old, they are a chartreuse green, you know, when they are fresh, when they start falling off their tree. And that is a conversation piece. We used them on the Griffin campus at one of our um, holiday uh, breakfasts. To, you know, we ran that stuff down the center of the table. So I just don't put anything in a, you know, in a, in a holiday box in terms of greens. I think anything that's attractive and healthy looking, you can um, adorn. You know, you can So perhaps use. the wisest policy mm-hmm. is just what you said right at the very top. The beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. And if it looks good to you, there's, yes. there's no wrong answer here. No wrong answer at all. None at all. Now, now, how do we procure if we don't just have this lying around in the yard? We live more in a city area or just mm-hmm. don't have the wherewithal or, or can't identify the plants that we do have. What are the best places in order to get the things to adorn our houses? So you can certainly purchase them, okay, um, before you now, help. Before we get to that, just yes. when it comes to... And no offense to the big box stores, but right. would you recommend going to more of the owner-operated type nurseries for better advice as to maintenance and care of these plants? Or are the big box stores, will they be able to tell you enough of what you need to know? There are knowledgeable people that work in all kinds of places. Um, and your selection is going to vary. You know, you're going to find different items in different places. So... Um, it's, it's no one way or the other. It's, it's talk to your people, get to know, you know, who's got quality information, who's got good stuff and, and, um, you know, work from there. So when it comes to the spray painting, will this work (laughs) for most plant types? Um, it works for a lot of them. Uh, you can always experiment. Sometimes the, the paint will flake off. Uh, so it, it does it, you know, if you've got a waxy leaf, I'm thinking of like our, our Southern Magnolia, you know, that big waxy leaf. Um, it's not going to hold paint very well. I, you know, we've certainly done it, um, but it can it can flake off. Um, so a lot of it's experiment, 
just, you know, have some fun with it. Pine cones, I can tell you, I have put a lot of paint on pine cones. <laughs> so that will work pretty well. I'm, um, I meant to say earlier when you were asking me about things to decorate the tree with, uh, okra pods are one of those things that we forget about, but okra pods are fantastic and they will take paint well. And I have a collection of okra pod ornaments in my Griffin office, uh, Griffin campus office, that our Master Gardeners and Towns Union have um, have painted. And they, as part of one of their holiday fundraiser uh, projects that they do, but they're, they've created um, angels and Santas and um, I don't know what else out of these um, okra pods, so. Well, we said we'd stay off Christmas trees, but I think it's it's darn near impossible. You yes. can't talk about Christmas without mm-hmm. Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. Are there things that you would discourage people from putting on trees, especially like when, when in your case with the live trees, live Fraser first? Do you need to be a little bit more cautious about the lights that you, you may string? And, and yeah. I mean, tinsel is something that I have always loved, but has just disappeared from, yes. from the landscape. Yes. Uh, all that silver, the silver is just oh, that was always my favorite thing to put on the mm-hmm. tree, and mm-hmm. now it's it's almost non-existent. Uh, yes, it's because we've had to vacuum it up and clean it up. <laughs> so, um, but but what should we avoid or, right. or, or take caution with? It depends on how much you light your tree and how you know. If you are a person that likes to to put lights on your tree and leave them on all the time, then probably. A, a fresh cut tree is not a good idea for you in the first place because you know the longer you burn those lights the drier it will become um, and so you have to be careful um, I always put the tr- the lights on the tree first and then decorate so you don't want to put things like grasses that are very thin you know would 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 catch fire very easily you wouldn't want to put that you know near a light bulb that's going to heat up um, you know you just you just want to be smart about this and uh, if you're a person that um, only lights your tree say on Christmas Eve then you know you've got a lot of a lot of options because those lights aren't going to be on that long now what particular safety mechanisms and care do you give your Christmas tree being a horticulturalist, you're going to know as well as anybody. Yes. How do you care for your Fraser fir? And this will yes. apply to almost any type of yes. live tree you bring into your home. How do you care for sure. it to make sure it's safe? So with any any plant selection, do your homework. You know, when it's in the marketplace, uh, I run my fingers along the branches to see how, how much needle loss I'm getting. No, so the, the fewer the better, the correct? The fewer the better. If that thing is dropping needles like crazy uh, on the on the floor... Uh, you know, at the retail location, then leave it because it's not going to get any better when you bring it inside. Um, when you transport it, you know, wrap it, net it, uh, keep it keep it as protected from a lot of drying winds. If you've got to go a long distance, you know, from the retail store to your home, uh, cover it uh, so that it's not exposed to the drying winds in the back of your truck or on top of your car or whatever. Um, when you get it home, Fresh cut, always put that fresh cut um, across the base and get it in water as soon as possible. So at our house, we bring it home, give it the fresh cut, and put it in the tree stand outside immediately. And I like to leave mine in the tree stand for 24 hours uh, so that those branches, you know, open and, and, you know, fall open and drop um, before I bring it in the house and place it. And, you know, you will have some needle drop. I mean, that's to be expected, but like you said, you don't want to see, you know, a large number of needles coming off of those well, branches. who better to ask than an expert? And I don't mean to put you on the spot or make you put yourself out there. But when it comes to getting your live tree, 
when do you do it? Are you a Thanksgiving person? Or are you <laughs> yes, a little? Yes, I am. <laughs> are you? Or, I mean, some people wait yes. two weeks before Christmas. Some Mm-mm. people wait to as late as Christmas Mm-mm. Eve. You know, for but you've never had a problem with being able to keep it fresh and you know not a fire hazard getting it around the Thanksgiving time. Well, let me let me explain. We do get it um, on the Friday following Thanksgiving. We don't put up our trees before Thanksgiving. Uh, but we'll get it the Friday. It's kind of a family ritual. Kids help me pick it out, and we get it home, and uh, we get it put up. And so we try to get it Friday, get it in the stand so that it does have that, that time period to open, decorate it on Saturday. By the time um, the holidays get here, actually, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, even though we keep water, you know, that's one of the steps that I didn't get to earlier. You gotta, you've got to keep filling it daily. We check it. We take turns. Have, you know, has the tree been refilled? Keep that basin full. And I like a tree stand that holds a fair amount of water, you know, so that you don't run the risk of dehydrating it. Um, but towards the, the Christmas and certainly by New Year's, that tree is pretty, pretty dry. And so we limit, you know, how long we're going to burn it. But we have enjoyed it the whole month long. Um, a lot of times trees are cut you know, in November, regardless of whether you buy it at Thanksgiving or you buy it the week before Christmas, um, they're, they're all cut, you know, I won't say all of them, but many of them are cut at about the same time. So, so, you know, just waiting doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get a fresher tree. Well, with a husband and wife who are horror culturalists and children who are, (laughs) I won't say apathetic, but, but indifferent to the, the occasion, do you cut your own or do you let the the tree farm that you visit take care of that for you when when we lived in virginia it was a family outing to go uh to go get the tree because again our um our growers uh could grow frasers and that's our that's our favorite tree um so the kids went with us and we got the saw and you know the kids helped dad cut that tree um and that's as much as our of our family memories as anything you know um, here in Georgia, we're, we're too, sou- too far south. Um, you know, there are, we don't, just don't have that altitude. Um, so we're not going to find Fraser firs growing in our neighborhood tree farms. So we actually do buy a Fraser. Sorry. It's just, it's just part of me. You know, that's our well, family no, tradition. That's scent. Well, you know? you know, one thing that Dr. Zarnada and I talked about last week, when I was young, I, I tend to remember this, that it was always back then it was recommended that you use a diagonal cut when when taking mm-hmm. down a live tree, mm-hmm. and now the the thinking on that has shifted mm-hmm. to straight cut. I mm-hmm. mean, what would be the difference, and what's the advantage, just off the top of your head? Yeah. So anytime you have a an angled cut, it's surface area. It, you're exposing more of those tissues, and through capillary action, you know, you can take up water. You know, so it's just more surface area that that cut stem can take water into it, into the into the plant. So, so, and then the, the the basin that you're talking about, mm-hmm. but roughly how deep is your tree basin, just as an approximate? Um, I mean, for people who may... Easily six to eight inches. So that's what people should look mm-hmm. for, a minimum. And mm-hmm. you don't want to necessarily fill it to the top, but keep it pretty full. Right. Um, mine... I use my finger, you know, I hook it over the edge of the, the tree stand into the basin. And, you know, if I can't touch water, you know, that's, you know, a couple of knuckles there worth. Um, I know that I need to add water. So I certainly don't want it all the way to the top because it will leak out. It'll dribble out the holes, you know, where the screws are to, to hold the tree in place. So, 
Yeah, there's all kinds of crazy tree stand contraptions out there. And, of course, you need to size it according to your, your tree size. The larger this, the tree that you put up, the larger the stand, that, that base that you need to hold it to. Now, then you bring up a good point. I, I could not tell you how high the ceilings are in my house. Mm-hmm. I'd never mm-hmm. measured. It's, mm-hmm. I think it's 14 feet, right. but I don't know that. If you do accidentally buy a tree that's mm-hmm. too large for your, mm-hmm. your surroundings, mm-hmm. wh- is there anything you can do that will not harm the tree, but you can still make it fit? Can you cut some off the top, or do you need to take more off the bottom? Uh, what it, would be the, the, the course of action sure, there? Sure, sure. So if you buy your tree, you bring it home, and it's too tall, cut from the bottom. Because remember that those trees grow in roughly a pyramidal shape. So you want to leave that top um, you know, leader, that, that point, if you will, at the top, and so cut off the bottom. Most likely, if it's too tall, it's going to be too wide at the base. So by shortening, you know, removing that base, you're getting to, you know, a, a, a narrower um, diameter, you know, at, at the same time. So you're solving both of your problems. Now, that you, but that's a good question. What is the typical diameter that you look for? I mean, do you want something that's just giant that, oh, no. that captivates the room, or do you want something... <laughs> That's noticeable, but but not necessarily the most eye-catching thing. We are we are always buying five to six foot trees. Um, that, that just we have cathedral ceilings in our living room at, at our at our house here in Griffin, but um, I don't have the number of lights. I don't have the ladder. I I'm, I can't stand to get on the ladder. To tell you the truth, uh, I get a little little weak need getting up the ladder. So I can handle a five to six foot tree just easily, very easily, and it fits in our space. So. Others, you know, have a lot of space in the, you know, and have those glorious um, ceilings or like in an atrium or, a, you know, a, a foyer or something like that. So, um, but just know that the taller those trees get, the broader they're going to get at the base and you're going to need some space for that. Well, now not only are you going to be doing a Facebook Live presentation today about holiday ornamentals, Thanksgiving and Christmas, but I think that uh, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, when your schedule allows, or as long as it allows, you're going to be doing this at various times of the year. The Facebook Live. Yes, that that uh, yeah, that, that's that's been what I've been kind of nodded and winked about. <laughs> so, uh, you know, because. I mean, like when we get to the Easter ornamentals, a lot of people like to use plants Mm -hmm. for that. And then, you know, the beginning of fall for Mm -hmm. the Thanksgiving season and stuff. So maybe I'm dropping something on you you didn't know. (laughs) But again, just go today. Sherry will be on Dr. Sherry Dorn on just go to Facebook.com and you can slash UGA Griffin Campus, which is the instructions that I've been left here. Let me just quickly go over a couple Mm -hmm. of the other announcements from the UGA Griffin Campus. The Young Scholars Internship Program is now taking applications for its paid six-week internship program, which is open to high school students with an interest in food science, environmental sciences, or agriculture. Applicants must have finished their sophomore year of high school and be 16 years old by the onset of the program on June 7th. Application deadline is January 31st. For more information, visit griffin.uga.edu. The UGA Griffin Campers offers virtual degree information on their programs such as financial planning, wealth management, general business, education, 
and more. Again, visit the website for more information. Enrollment for the spring semester is uh, November the 20th, and you can take a personal tour of the lovely UGA Griffin campus. You can see some of the adornments that Dr. Dorn has put out there. Of course, most of hers is inside, but I'm sure she has consulted on what's going to look nice around the campus as well. Tours are scheduled intermittently throughout the year. Call 770-412-4400 in order to uh, schedule your own tour. And don't forget, UGA Fall 2020 graduation is set for Thursday, December 17th at Stuckey Auditorium. Now, you started in a career in horticulture. Did you always know that that was what a field you wanted to explore, or was it something that hit you late in high school and then you fell in love with once you hit college? No, it's it's kind of always been there. Um, I, you know, we had a family vegetable garden. I have a grandfather um, who was an avid, avid gardener, introduced us to vegetable gardening, cut grass for my neighbors, you know, from the time I was 12, you know, on up to the point I left to go to college. Um Worked in a nursery in high school, so I, I I just have always loved plants and just always moved in that direction. Now, for people who were young, like you were then, what would you say to them at, at that stage of their lives if yes. they wanted to follow a career in horticulture? Absolutely. So even if they don't want to do a career, if they if people love plants, if, if a kid loves plants or has an interest, has a curiosity at all, I, fi- I suggest finding you know, a mentor, find a grandmother, an aunt, an uncle, a grandfather, a neighbor, uh, someone that can show them, you know, mentor them in, in working with plants. Try things. Don't be afraid to try things. Um, and that lifelong history and that experience c- carrying forward will just serve them very, very well. Would you say that I would, you, you bring up an excellent point? Uh, Bob Westerfield, who mm-hmm. joins us right regularly, who is a, a master mm-hmm. gardener of his own, right, just in a different <laughs> right. avenue. He's more of the, the, the garden variety mm-hmm. and the vegetable garden variety to, to be more specific. But would you say that trial and error and experimentation and a lifelong experience is almost as valuable, if not as valuable, as the, the book knowledge that you learned in getting your master's and doctorate degrees? Uh, well, I don't want to intimidate anybody about, oh, I don't have a lifelong experience with this so I can't be anything can be learned yes so what I would say is that it's never too late to become in love with plants to fall in love with plants or to you know enjoy them Um, so you can jump in at any point in time it's that hands-on you know we can learn a tremendous amount by studying our books but it's why with the Master Gardener program we put you through a book training but then we also put you through a hands-on training because there's so much that just comes to life when you start you know working with the plants actually putting them in the ground uh, planting those seeds making those cuttings now yeah. we're being heard right now everywhere from Henry County all the way to Muskogee which only mm-hmm. covers a fraction yes. of the areas that you have to serve but somebody who might have heard you today and have been inspired to join the Master Gardener program what would be their first step So give your county extension office a call, and you can go to the extension.uga.edu website and click on county offices, and we've got an alphabetical list of county offices. And every county in Georgia, all 159, have an extension service. That is right. That is right. Extension is there and accessible by everybody. Um, So 
click on your county, go to your county extension office um, telephone number and give that office a call. And if there is not a program, a Master Gardener program in your county, they will most likely connect you with a county who does. And you may end up back in my email box and I can, you know, I can work with you and uh, and solve that. From an age standpoint, mm-hmm. what what type of age range? I mean, I would imagine that people have a little more time to volunteer and, and can, you know, donate to gardening matters. You might have a little bit of an older crowd in terms right. of demographic. What's the youngest master gardener that you can remember in Georgia? So ours is an adult program. So 18 is the, is the, we've had, have you some, had some that young? Yes. Wow. We, and we've had some that have come through um, younger than that in high school, but, we, but because it's an adult volunteer program, they're mostly going through that curriculum. You know, they're going through that training and it's been, you know, they were usually their parent or guardian as they are in the training with them. Um, but yes, the master gardener program is an adult program. So we've had anyone ranging from 18 uh, on up uh, from there. And um, in the in the national study I completed as part of my dissertation, we had folks 18 to 94. So, wow. Yes. So you really do run yes, the gamut. we do. We do. So, you know, I wish you the best of luck with that. And uh, we want to say happy holidays to you, Dr. Sherry Dorn, and your family. And Merry Christmas. Happy Thanksgiving. And, I, you know, thank you so much for coming out today. And don't forget that you can catch Dr. Sherry Dorn today on Facebook Live. Visit the Facebook page of the University of Georgia Griffin campus. If I can find it, anybody can find it. <laughs> and before we started the program today, I showed Dr. Dorn that I could actually find it. So it's out there for you. One o'clock. I don't know how long it's going to last. I'm guessing about an hour but uh, you'll get all sorts of demonstrations she's going to have people that, that she works with and they'll be doing other projects as well as part of today's presentation so be sure to join dr sherry dorn and again thank you so very much for your time and your expertise in helping us get our homes ready for the thanksgiving and christmas seasons thanks so much for having me This has been this week's installment of the University of Georgia Griffin Campus News. We're going to take next Thursday, Thanksgiving, we will take that day off. So in 335 hours, we want you to join us again for our next University of Georgia Griffin Campus News, which will come up from 9 to 10 a.m. on Thursday, December the 4th.